Hey, this is Dali, and you're listening to the Fear the Sword podcast. Hello, and welcome to The Bottom, a Fear the Sword podcast. I am Chris Manning, the site manager over at Fear the Sword, and joining me today is my co-host and another writer over at Fear the Sword. It's David Zavok. David, what's going on, buddy? Hey, not a whole lot. Um, just trying to get we're going to Chicago this weekend so trying to get a newborn ready to go to Chicago my wife is a saint uh, that that's 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 pretty much it yeah it's in terms of the Cleveland sports team which you're obviously a, a Cardinals fan I couldn't tell you if the Cardinals are good or not this year um the Cleveland baseball team is in just a weird spot considering those a Ramirez injury. And then we're in a position now where the Cleveland Browns are playing the fourth preseason game, AKA a game that I just was never going to watch. Um, <laughs> like there's just no point, you know, um, it's just like this really gets going next week when we're going to see the, how that team looks in week one. And the Cavs are getting closer and closer to me today. I'm going to guess we're about three weeks out there being a little coy about when me today actually is, even though we can sort of, sort of guess at that. The big news, I guess, we'll start with, and then we'll kind of get into what Dave and I are going to be doing for the next couple of weeks, is the jerseys. Um, they released their quote-unquote classic jersey this week. It's the throwback to the 90s, the black jersey with the orange, the old um, hoop logo. It's, it's full-on 90s. You've seen the pictures of Nance and Garland and then Love and Sexton's jerseys. David, I don't. This has just kind of been the dominant Cavs Twitter topic for about the last week. I personally love them. I didn't grow up with them because I was like not cognizant of watching the Cavs in the '90s because I was born in '93. But I'm I'm in on these jerseys. I think they're just fun. I think they're sort of ugly, but they just sort of or just something about them. I just find kind of endearing. Um, I think they did a good job at least like updating the colors so they don't look quite as bad as they might have then. You know, I, again, I don't. I, I at least like them better than the orange and blue ones they had last year. I think just the overall look—they're just fun. I'm, I'm pro fun. Where are you at on these jerseys? Uh, I like them a lot. Um, they Adidas made them like during like the Kyrie era before LeBron came back, and I never got one. And I've always been sort of like a little mad at myself for not getting like a Kyrie version of it. Um, Patrick Elder, who used to write, write for Fearless Sword, he always had one that made me very jealous. Um, I'm a fan. I, you know, the big thing that I, I started to notice was the people who are a little bit older than us, like, seem to just almost unanimously hate them. Um, so uh, I think it's because they just don't have positive memories. Uh, sort of related to these jerseys the team just wasn't particularly good when they had them and then it's also like a very 90s like uniform right and I think they were probably over the top in the 90s but now that we're sort of you know enjoying going back in time uh, they they sort of have this new appeal so um, you know if you're if you're trying to go back to that time period of the Cavs not so great but are they fun and exciting i would say 100 percent yes do you want to feel old sure D darius garland was born in 2000 yeah he yeah. was neck he was a neck he was negative seven years old when these jerseys were introduced 
Chris, when when you're over the age of thirty, everything makes you feel. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you're. I'm. I'm. I'm getting close. I'm four years. <laughs> I'm less than four years away from my thirties, and I I eagerly await um my my old age. I I'm like an eighty year old spiritually anyway. If, if <laughs> your life like you you know this, and I work kindred spirits, I think in that way. Okay, but. Um, I would just say, like, if the Cavs are ever going to, like, do a jersey rebrand, and, like, I frankly think they need one, um, you just give me the Cavs logo with the – like, I don't really know if I care about the color, per se, like, if it's wine and gold or if it's blue and orange or whatever. Um, I would probably have these 90 jerseys in my stable of four jerseys. I think I would go with that. But I think I would go with that Cavs logo with the net, and I'm like, those are my favorite Cavs jerseys, particularly I think the wine and gold ones and the blue and orange ones they wore during LeBron's first tenure. Those are my favorite Cavs jerseys. Um, if you want to have black in there because that's the color they won the title in, like I can I can get behind that, I guess. But those are my favorites. Um, I like the 90s ones. I think they're just kind of fun. But I – I'd don't really like this is my favorite Cavs jersey and I think that says more right of the ones they have right now and I think for me that says more about what I think of their other jerseys as opposed to what I think of the 90s jersey if that makes sense yeah no I think that's that's fair I I don't really like any of the contemporary ones uh either um I do like the wine and gold jerseys in general like jerseys that they wore um before LeBron, after LeBron left, before LeBron came back, I think most people didn't like them. I was actually a pretty big fan of them. I like calling the Cavs the wine and gold. So like, I am sort of attached to those colors. Um, I liked the 70s ones that they wore um, during like the 09 season, uh, both like the, 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 the yellow, the, the gold and wine ones, as well as those like blue and yellow ones um and so i think i would sort of the best ones i think are you know the ones that that incorporate the wine and gold for me but i think like objectively you're right like the best jerseys just period are those ones from the 80s with you know the v that was the hoop and uh you know that spelled out calves so um they have like good options um and I like these ones. I don't know that I like them on like a game to game basis, um, but you know, eight times a year, which is what they're going to do. I think, I think that's fantastic. Yeah. And I think in a season that's going to be a little funky, um, I'm, I think particularly good with it. You know, um, I don't, I don't think that's necessarily like a, a bad thing for us to be in that situation either. Okay. Um, we're going to, what Dave and I are going to do is run through um, some of the different things that we are going to kind of be looking at is the best case worst case scenario for a variety of players um our list today is going to start with uh, the guards um the guards are not obviously all the guards the Cavs have a crap ton of guards because that's just where we are at with this team right now um but we're gonna do sexton clarkson delhi and brandon knight today um David, I want you to you. I want you to pick off where we're going to start here. Who would you like us to to get into best case, worst case first? Uh, I guess Delhi is probably the easiest way to start if that's if that's where we're going. Yeah. Okay. So I would say for me, I think the best case for Delhi is that if you want to go purely just how he plays, I think him being healthy. I'm very curious to ask him about his 
that his shot looks different based on what we've seen coming out of FIBA. I think that's really interesting. I think you want Delhi to just to be healthy and kind of provide the the defense and the non-need to handle the ball that they sort of need out of this guard rotation. I think that for me is just if he can just be that guy and play some one and two defend kind of help bring and kind of help Garland and Sexton continue to grow as young guys, something that he um, has obviously, you know, was at one point and now is kind of in a vet, but still is going to put in that grind. I think that's the guy you kind of want because he just is something different than the other guys. I think the worst case is that he gets hurt and that, you know, even if you wanted to flip him, you just can't really do it. And he just kind of isn't a factor, right? I think that I think he's had these injuries the last couple of years. He has been the same guy that he was, you know, he kind of peaked, I would say, when they won the title, frankly, at this point, before he got, when he got paid by Milwaukee. But that, that I think, that, that is pretty straightforward. Um, he's the guy that I just have the best read on of sort of what he is right now, but it, it's largely health dependent. And I am, again, really curious to see if the shot, which is less of that kind of, it looks more fluid, I guess is the best way to put it, based on the video I've seen, if that's, if that holds up. Yeah, I mean, I guess, like, his shot matters to him, but I don't know how much it matters to the Cavs. Um, you know, I think the best-case scenario for him is he is a, you know, nuisance to Colin and Darius in practice, like he was to Kyrie Irving, but he sort of challenges them to, like, get better. Um, and, you know, maybe, he, like you said, he plays his way, um, you know, in being flipped for – anything at all um uh after you know, really pushes Darius but I think you're right I mean if, if he gets hurt which has been you know where that's that's been the case uh they can't they don't get any of those benefits out of it um I think there is a scenario where he helps on the court um particularly you know it's it's they're a guard heavy team but you know, if Sexton got hurt or if Garland had issues with his knee, um, you know, I've, I've talked a lot about wanting guards that are like table setters because uh, Sexton's not really that, uh, Garland's not really that, uh, Clarkson's definitely not that, right? Like, at least Delhi sort of can get you into an offense and initiate it. So um, there's a possibility he's helpful out on the football – or on the, not on the football field um, – on the basketball court. Um, I mean, I'm down for Delhi playing strong safety for the Cleveland Browns. Like, let's just go. Let's go. I'm, I'm, I don't know. It, it was, I, I just was, I just was uh, watching Rudy, and he's he's sort of the the Rudy story. But, um, so I yeah, no, I mean, I, I don't know. Best case scenario, he he pushes Darius and and Colin to get better in practice. I think that's big, and I think he can be um, that if he can be that guy, and if he can be sort of like that kind of leadership that I think is just kind of going to be missing from other spots, just, just based on what we sort of know from Delhi and how he approaches this stuff. I think that's um, really going to matter. I'm curious to see, I'm, I, I wonder what Beeline's going to think of him too. I just like want to kind of know what his like view of, of Delhi is and, and what he sort of thinks of, of his fit. Um, let's go on to Brandon Knight just because I think he's the kind of, he's the, the, the other side of the coin of Delhi. I'm going to pull up the numbers and just kind of look at the raw kind of um, fit numbers for him and Sexton last year as we're kind of talking here. But I just feel like the best case scenario for him is that he does just for, – for him and the team, it's probably better if he's traded 
sooner rather than later. Um, I think if he's around, you kind of want him to just be a three and shoot like a, like kind of an off guard more than anything else. Um, you know, I don't think him playing a bunch is really going to help the young guys. I think there's a lot of redundancies with what we're kind of seeing with him and Sexton um, for what it's worth in 432 minutes last year, him and Sexton were a negative 13.2 points per hundred possessions. That's breaking news. Really, really bad. Um, I don't think they work. I don't think he works with Garland. I don't think you can play him as like a three guard guy. I don't, I think that's like the, the best case is he's just kind of out of the way in some way. And then I would say on the, the worst case is that he just plays a lot and it, and it has a negative impact in some way on the young guys. I think he's just like a complicated figure in that regard. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I guess I was kind of just like wrong. I, I sort of attributed some of Callen get, playing better brain at night i think the just... film i think the offensive film bears that out i th- i don't i want to just say like i think i i can remember thinking games like okay like this he provides a safety valve for colin you know he's spotting up he's willing to do that stuff i think he's just such a negative on the defensive end and like wasn't trying that and colin was so bad already that it just makes those numbers stand out even worse i think offensively like i can get behind it um but i would just say like if he's not going to try and defense like it becomes a little bit trickier for me well, that stuff with Colin just gets to just my my view on, you know, young players and defense in general. Like, Colin was trying to prove that he wasn't, like, the worst rookie of all time, right? Like, he was trying to find any way to be a positive offensive player. Like, to also be asking him to try and figure out how to defend at the NBA level um, was just, you know, and again, it didn't matter because they weren't, they weren't, you know, winning. Um, uh, but, uh, you know, I mean, I, I think it just goes to, to what Beeline thinks and what the Cavs think. If if it seems like they think Knight can help, you know, some of the good guards or some of the young guards, you know, improve either on the court with them or just in the locker room, then you keep them. And that's sort of the best case scenario. But if not, then then you don't. You have to, you have to flip them or, or, you know, and that's where things could get awkward is if, some of the veterans are bad, the team is bad, and there's no way to flip them because, you know, players, teams just don't want them. Um, so that's kind of like an overarching fear that people might have. That's an interesting kind of question because I think we saw that last year to some degree, right? I mean, I think that some of the reported discontent in that locker room was the veterans under Ty, and then it kind of continued under Larry Drew was – those guys wanting to try and compete, trying to win. Um, I think, you know, it seems like even though, like, I think us from the outside all kind of didn't think they were really going to push for an ET. Like, it seemed like those guys at least wanted to make a go at it. And then it was very clear early once Kevin got hurt, once, you know, Ty got fired, all that, how things did just unravel a little bit in that regard. So I think that's kind of interesting. Um, You know, I I don't – like, the Cavs – like, John Beeline does not really have, like, an incentive to, like, give Brandon Knight a bunch of reps. Now I empathize with Brandon Knight because like he, you know, he's never going to make $15 million again, but he is a free agent next summer. This is like probably not the best like showcase scenario for him. Like if you want to look at other teams with guys like this, like Jay Crowder, I think is in a pretty good position in Memphis to like play until he gets flipped to a contender and stuff and like make a name, make a case that he should get like some money next summer. I don't think that exists for Brandon Knight. 
So, like, wh- how does that sort of impact things? I don't know, I think he's going to be, like, a negative, but it, it is awkward. And, again, I think just – like, I think what Delhi is, at least in terms of, like, our view of him, is at least that he fits a little bit better. Um, I'm going to just kind of – I'm going to pull – Delhi's concussion kind of taints some of what we sort of saw from him last year. But I'm going to pull up his his numbers with Sexton. But, I mean, do you – I just – like. I just feel like there's just one too many bodies here. And until like that sort of gets evened out, I don't really know what to make of just kind of how this is all organized. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't think we know. I mean, <laughs> it's a lot. It'd be a lot for any coach, um, especially because you have to get ready mentally for the fact that you're just probably not going to win a ton of games. Um, and you have players like Kevin Love that are going to help. Um, but uh, you, it's worth noting that like a lot, you know, like Brandon Knight, Matthew Delavadova, these guys are, are not just playing for their next contract. They're playing to get another contract. Yes. Um, and I mean, you've already got Jordan Clarkson, you know, people in the media writing articles you know, for him to get. This is, two, this is two podcasts in a row. I think we've brought this up, which is yeah. like very on brand for us. It's just, there's guys that are going to have different agendas in that locker room especially when you're not winning, right? Like if you're trying to win, then that's, that sort of brings everyone together. Um, but this team isn't really trying to do that. So um, this kind of goes back to my, my overall thought too, that like I think a lot of Cavs fans are excited about the season. They should be because there's, there's young talent. Um, but it's, it's hard for a 24-win team. Like it's hard to have fun with a 24-win team regardless of who's on it. So we'll see what happens. Uh, just a fun fact here. Um, according to basketball reference, Matthew Delavadova does not have Colin Sexton among his most common 10-man pairings um, last year. So two players that he spent more time on the floor with last season than Colin Sexton would be one Cameron Payne and Jalen Jones. Like, that's how little data we sort of have on, on him and Sexton, which... Um, I well, and I, I learned, you know, this, you know, our pods are, are sort of like, you know, all of these players are sort of unanswered questions. And I think that I learned in the first, you know, in the LeBron-less period, you know, the Kyrie era or, you know, whatever you want to call it, you know, we'd come into the season... Well, you know, there are a bunch of question marks. Maybe they'll get some positive answers. And <laughs> more, you know, how will Kyrie and Dion play together? You know, how's Tristan's jump shot coming along? You know, uh, how will Anthony Bennett handle anything at all? Um, and we very rarely got positive answers. Um, so uh, I, I think they have good people there, right? Like even – you don't hear anything bad about Jordan Clarkson. You don't hear anything bad about Brandon Knight. Kevin Love is great. Tristan Thompson's a hard worker. Um, Colin Sexton's a hard worker. Um, so it's, it is, it's interesting. Um, I'm just not really conditioned to uh, anticipate positive outcomes. Yeah, no, I, I think that's right. Um, okay. So let's look at Jordan Clarkson. <laughs> Look, he's he's like the best shot creator on the Cavs right now, right? Like that's that's is that unfair? Is that like like am I discounting what Kevin Love can? I don't know. Like I, but I feel like if I'm saying I need someone to have to score in isolation 
from the top of the key via like with eight seconds on the shot clock, like I'm probably giving him the ball right now. Uh, I mean, yeah. I mean, if it's, if it's like a meritocracy. Yeah. That's I, what I mean. Like I'm saying again, like if you're going to say like, okay, this, you're going to do this and, and yada, yada, yada. Yeah. I mean, I think like you're still like just trying to get Sexton and Garland as many of those opportunities as possible, but no, I mean, like, if there was, like, a one-on-one tournament that the team had, he would have a very good shot at winning, I guess. Yeah. Like, without – I'm not, like, thinking about it, but probably, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, just through, like, strength, you know, he has a, an NBA, you know, fully developed – you know, he's in his physical prime. Um, no, you're right, and that's that's pretty scary, I would say, but um, <laughs> but you're probably correct. So that that brings me to this sort of question. I think the best case scenario is that, like, he's really good until in like in a way that it like. I don't. I, know, I, sorry, just, go ahead. Hey, just let me get on the record. I think Kevin Love would probably find a way to win a one-on-one game against Clarkson, but I agree. I would. I would say Nance would probably have a good shot too because he's a good defender. Yeah. Okay. Regardless, I think if you're looking at, I think if you're looking at Clarkson. And I don't know what this line is. And I kind of will be curious to maybe ask Beeline about this in some way on at Media Day. But the, I think the best case for him and the franchise is like he he's like good in a in a way where he's sort of more efficient, maybe is catching and shooting well, is at least like I don't expect anything from him on defense, but is maybe like a little bit better than last year and is good enough where some team that is, like, trying to make a title run, make a playoff push, what have you, flips for him, gives up something, right? And in February, he's gone. But until then, he's productive in a way that does not take away from Sexton and Garland. I don't know what that looks like. I have a hard time envisioning that based on what we saw last year. Now, I don't want to say that, like, there was nothing positive about Sexton and Garland together last year, or Sexton and – um, Clarkson together last year I don't I don't I think there was some stuff and I would say that Jordan Clarkson's best moments for me last year were things where he was kind of not attacking an ISO and was catching and shooting and doing some minimal kind of one or two dribble attacks off when he got the ball on a catch and shoot but if you look at the overall season and you look at the overall amount of minutes played his most common uh, he was Colin Sexton's third most common lineup pairing last year, and they were a negative 11 per 100 possessions. Now, that's better than Nance and Sexton. That's better than Osmond and Sexton. I don't there, – there's some limitations to what this data can tell us. Again, there were some good moments. But that amount of data and sort of what we know about both guys and what they're both sort of good at, unless Colin's going to become like a really good catch-and-shoot guy and Clark's or Clarkson's going to do that – and then throw Garland in the mix, I don't know how to walk that line. And that, like, I, that's why I think the worst-case scenario for here is, like, he just becomes something that, like, really throws a wrench in what you're trying to build with Sexton and Garland, and he doesn't, like, adapt to what Beeline's probably going to want to do. And that, like, mars the Cavs season, not just in terms of how it's helping the guys develop, but it makes them harder to trade. And And then you're in a situation where, like, you don't get anything back of return for him and and – by God, like, don't sign him to a contract next year. I think regardless of how good he looks this year, I just can't imagine signing him to a contract makes any sense in the world. I mean, I I stopped predicting 
trying to, to guess what the Cavs would do a long time ago. But uh, yeah, I have no idea. No one knows. I, I'm 100% in agreement. I, it's again, they, you know, John Milan has his work cut out for him. Um, and you know, you know, we're going one through one through the roster. It's as simple as if Darius Garland looks like he has some star potential, this season is fine. Um, you know, uh, they're three or four years from contending. So even, you know, if, if they gave Jordan Clarkson a four-year extension, would it, would I be floored? Would I be, uh, you know, would it, would it blow my mind? Yes. But like, would it ultimately matter? I, I mean, I, I think, it, I think you're right. Like it, it, it and I, and these are things that I've said, I, I don't think it would help Garland or Sexton's development, but um, I don't know. Uh, I guess I just don't want to think about it. What What do you use like a way that you can like imagine deploying Clarkson without like throwing a wrench and everything else they're doing? Um, I mean, I guess if if you start Sexton and Garland and you sort of really force them to work it out together, then you know there's no real reason why you know, Clarkson can't have his fun running the bench units. Um, so that's probably the best way to do it. Um, but I don't know, you know, know exactly what the plans are. I could see Beeline not wanting to start the two rookies together. Or that Sexton's not a rookie anymore, but I could see him wanting to, um, you know, make make Garland earn it or, you know, say, hey, you know, I want to see Sexton, you know, do this off the bench. So, I don't know exactly what it would look like, um, but, you know, it certainly would be, you know, staying as far away from Garland as possible if it was up to me. Yeah, I I agree. He's going to have to play with one of them, right? Like, like, there's just no way he doesn't, you know? Like, that's sort of the thing here that I think is really interesting is that, like, there's just no way he's not going to play, have to play with one of the two young guards if he's going to play. Yeah. And that's, I don't know how to manage that. I just don't know if there's a good way to manage that. It's, it's, you know, the, the, the Cavs are in some ways are doing everything right They're You know, they're going to tank, they have young talent. They're going to give the young talent minutes. Um, are they putting everybody in the best possible, you know, situation to succeed? Not really. That's okay. I mean, uh, on the whole, I think they're mostly, putting themselves in good position. Well, I think media day will be really interesting too, just because there's like a lot of stuff to kind of sift through. Yes. Yeah. There's no shortage of people to talk to. And they haven't talked in months. Correct. Like, I don't think Beeline said anything of substance since his introductory press conference. Ditto for Kobe Altman. Um, You know, we haven't heard from Kevin Porter Jr. You know, I mean, it's partially because of the trade, but there's a lot of stuff to ask. Um, Let's go to Colin Sexton to wrap up this kind of first run-through of, of these guys. I think for me, I feel much better about him right now than I did, obviously, in November. And I think I, would, I feel much more optimistic about what he is and could be come, like, the next three years than I did even in March. I think, you know, his shot and his confidence in his shot and his kind of willingness to make himself productive in that way, I think, really stood out. I think 
you know, he didn't benefit from not playing with Kevin very much last year. I don't think the offensive scheme did him any favors. I don't think it was very imaginative or really got him in in situations where his kind of best stuff really came out. Like we didn't really see his speed much last year. You know, his kind of, um, we need to see, we didn't really see him get to use his athleticism in any real way. I think he's going to be fine on offense. I wonder, I, I think the catch and shoot stuff is going to be really interesting to see if that holds up from what it was last year. I think for me, it's all about like, does he take another step forward on offense? Maybe the vision gets a little bit better um, and, and a little cleaner in a, in a better offensive system. I think that, like how he looks in what we expect Beeline to do will sort of tell us a lot about Sexton and how Beeline deploys him will be really interesting. The other thing is like, he just needs to like be uh, just, a, he's probably never going to be good defensively. Like that would be a massive turnaround, but he can't be this bad. Like, and he's not like Trey Young, who's so special on offense. That like and and but also with what Atlanta is doing, Jonathan Sharks wrote about this really well at the Ringer this week. Atlanta is taking Trey Young, who's a, who's worse than Texas according to DRPM last year, surrounding him with a bunch of switchable long defenders. The Cavs are not doing that with Sexton, and that just by virtue of roster construction means he has to be able to defend a little bit better. I think progress from that end of this year is going to be paramount to what he looks like and and how reasonable it is for the Cavs to sort of lock him into uh, any core they have going forward I'm I guess I'm a little more optimistic about Colin defensively um although I certainly not this year um but you know in two and three years from now um I think he does have the frame to you know put on the strength I think he does have the quickness uh to stay with ones and twos um so I, I don't know. I, I, I look at, at Trey Young and I, I, I don't think they just talking to Chase Young who um, lives down in Atlanta, um, uh, not Chase Young, Chase Thomas, but um, you know, he even said, you know, Trey Young does not have the body type that Colin Sexton does in no, terms absolutely not. of that natural strength. So um, I, I think that Colin can get to a point where, um, you know, he's a plus defender. Um, I just, you know, we're not going to see it anytime soon. So I wouldn't say that I'm like pessimistic necessarily. It's just like last year is so the data and the film are just both so bad that like I, and I, and I, again, I don't think the scheme that they've run, I don't think there's, I think there's a lot of things that do not support him. And I think we know that young players, especially young guards who are defending a bunch of pick and roll, need support I just like don't know how to like divorce myself divorce the idea that like he's definitely like in a gonna should be in a better position to succeed this year in theory on that end versus how bad he was last year I don't know how to like separate those two things if that makes sense yeah no and I think I think this is where like you know people think I hate young players but I'm actually giving them a you know space to grow and learn like I just don't expect them to be able to do this stuff when they're 19 and 20 years old. Um, and, you know, you're, I think you're right. Like you're looking on film for things that are going to like give you an indication that they can do it. Um, I just see enough quickness and um, it looks like his body can put on weight, you know, um, but maybe I'm wrong. You know, I, I don't know. Um, we'll have to see. Colin Sexton drop the Instagram workout tape. We haven't got one. We got a Darius Garland one. Can we get yeah. the Colin Sexton one? Yeah, just like we talked about. <laughs> um, uh, he looks good. I mean, it's what you want to see. 
Yeah, no, it, you actually earnestly love to see it. Um, so what for you is like, I've kind of outlined what I think is a successful year. What do you think is a successful year for Colin Sexton year two? Uh, 14 points a game, 54.5 true shooting rate. Um, uh, deferential when he needs to be to Garland, um, they get along. I think if, if they, if, if somehow we survive the season with like those two, you know, still being friends, like Sexton looking like a, a real NBA player and, also worth building around with Garland, I think, a successful season. I think that's fair. And I think um, I think the flip side of it is that, like, if they don't mesh, I don't know what the Cavs, like, I don't know. There's probably, like, a way for them to pivot. I don't know what that looks like. Like, what's the yep. pivot from, like, if Sexton and him just – there's no there's no data, there's no film that, like, shows that it works. Like, I don't know – what the way to kind of pivot out of that is. Is it like you can't like it's a little early just to like let Sexton just kind of go or flip him or like whatever. I mean theoretically you could, but like what's the pivot if it doesn't work, you know? Well, we'll figure that out next summer. Um <laughs> when they've had a press conference to be like, yes, we're friends. Yeah, no, I think at that point it's just, you know, whoever the top, you know, lotto pick is and hopefully it's not too late to you know flip them if they need to but uh I, i'm not there yet you know like i said I, I think like you said uh you know his february and march and april were impressive and um we'll we'll, we'll hang on to that as long as we can what do you uh, to kind of wrap this up would be what's like the skill you'd want to see sexton be better at the most if it's not defense like i think defense is just like a kind of an obvious one What's is there anything else that you'd be like? Okay, like I can. This is I want to I want to see this new shot selection like continue. Like I I don't want that to have been an aberration. Like if he can continue to shoot over thirty six percent from three on the shot selection that he had for the last couple months, like he can be a helpful offensive player. I think um, because he does. I think he does have the athleticism if he's he's making smart decisions with the basketball in terms of, of where he shoots from. I think that's, I think that's important. So um, I want to see, like I said, like 54.5%, you know, true shooting, you know, get, get kind of close to the league average or a little bit above it and um, uh, take the right shots and, and continue to grow into making them. I think that's right, and I think right behind that for me would 100% just be little little bits of passing and little bits of creation that, like, show that even if he's not going to pass guys open or, like, average seven assists at his peak, that he can do it, right? Like, I think if he can just move the ball and he gets, like, boosted by what Beeline's offense is designed to do, that to me will be really encouraging. I do not think, again, the Cavs were, like, helping him last year. I don't think they were helping anyone with what they were running last year. What Beeline is supposed to do and supposed to be, like, good at, I think should help. Agreed. Yeah, no, I think I think you're right. You, you want to start to see some vision as well. Just little stuff. Run some pick and rolls with Kevin. I think that's, that's kind of really all we're asking for. Yeah. Uh, David, Agreed. it's good to be back. It's good to be kind of – we're getting back in the flow. We kinda, I kind of messed things up as we kind of got going back, and we're going to be back next week talking about – 
a bunch of other calves, including Darius Garland. Um, any final thoughts before we get out of here today? No, man. We'll talk soon. All right, man. Have a good time in Chicago. Thank you. See ya. Bye.